I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, we're Sarah and Helen, and welcome to the Amazing If podcast. This week, we'll be sharing with you our ideas, hints, and tips to help you have a happy career. So we're going to be continuing our series all about confidence and confidence gremlins. And we've got 10 different confidence gremlins we're going to be talking about. And this week, the confidence gremlin we're focusing on is all about numbers and a fear, a fear of numbers at work. And before we go into what that means, and we're going to share some of our own personal personal feelings about being <laughs> put on the spot with numbers, I think it's just important to have a, a bit of time to talk about what a confidence gremlin is. The confidence gremlins are things that we all have. It doesn't matter how senior you are, how experienced you are. We all have these little voices, these little gremlins in our head, which hold us back in some way and they, and they get in our way. And at work, that's particularly kind of a limiter for people because it can really stop you progressing and stop you really fulfilling your potential. In our series, we're going to be talking about the 10 most common gremlins that we've found from our courses, and we're going to be sharing our personal insights on them and give you some practical ways that you can really think about caging these gremlins and just stop them getting in your way. So with that, let's get on to the fear of numbers, the confidence gremlin of numbers at work. Sarah, what's your thoughts on this? Why is it such a big thing for people? I think it's really interesting. I do wonder whether it does go back a little bit to things like school without wanting to get sort of too psychological about it. But maths was always one of those topics, I think, that was quite Marmite. People sort of either loved it or hated it, could either do it or couldn't. Often you sort of really struggled with it. Certainly for me, it was something I had to work really hard at to sort of scrape my way through my sort of GCSE maths, etc. And I think people have kind of almost a lot of hang-ups about when you say numbers, what that actually really means. And then just convince themselves it's something they can't do. And therefore, I'm going to avoid it at all costs, which is sort of pretty much what I try to do with Mass GCSE, to be honest. <laughs> and what, what about at work? What's your personal experience of this at work? Really mixed, actually. I think in the first part of my career, I think I was really convinced that I just couldn't do numbers. It wasn't my strength and was really worried about it. So I spent lots of time and energy, invested loads of time trying to get better and probably did get better and started to understand some of the nuances around what numbers really meant. So there's quite a big difference between simultaneous equations at school (laughs) and doing a really great budget. And I sort of started to work out, okay, well, I still reckon I can't do a simultaneous equation, but I probably can do a really good budget if I sort of stop and and think a bit about it. There's not much call for Pythagoras in the office. (laughs) No, thank thank goodness, Um, because that would be a challenge. 
But I still do find it can be quite intimidating when you work with people who then are very kind of numerical. Yeah. Particularly for me, I find the people who can do numbers in their heads fascinating because I just think... I don't understand how you've just done that, where people have sort of added, subtracted, divided mm. four million numbers within about 30 seconds, live in a meeting, and then say, yeah, so it'll probably, if you do divide that, uh, what, sort of two million? And you, you, <laughs> and you sort of go, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, really. And I think that, that that's where I think it's really important. If you're thinking that numbers is something you're worried about or it's a confidence gremlin for you, try and work out specifically what is it about numbers because I think it's those things can be very different for different people I used to work in a business where really I was thinking that the main intellect that was valued was analysts like analytical thinking and it actually really affected my confidence because I'm not the most analytical person it's it's not a super strength of mine I think at the time I didn't think about what are all the other things I'm good at I was just focusing on this business really values that skill set of kind of numerical and analytical knowledge and I don't have it and therefore I'm not as good and I think sometimes the numbers one's a really interesting one because you almost put it on a pedestal and you suddenly don't think well I'm actually really good at leading or I'm really good at communicating I'm really you don't it doesn't matter if you're kind of good at those things you think but I'm not as good at numbers as somebody else and therefore that I'm doomed and this is where I think the biggest thing that I learned is sort of this 80 20 rule that I now apply to my own sort of learning and development which is where I spend 80 percent of my time getting better at the things that I'm already really good at so this is kind of making my strengths stronger these are my super strengths the things where kind of I want to be spiky and actually 20% of the time on developing those areas that I do still want to improve I don't think it's bad to say that you're not brilliant at everything I don't think anyone is and I do think there are certain areas where you might say well it would be helpful if I was slightly better at numbers in this way but again I would really encourage people to think about specifically what would be useful when do you deal with numbers in your job now? In actually loads of different ways. So those days of thinking after my master's GCSE, that was going to be it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I was slightly <laughs> deluded because I then went on to do degrees and various different things, all of which had got numbers in and jobs pretty much have all got numbers in. So yeah, that celebration of passing my master's GCSE was sort of slightly short-lived. <laughs> but now I do things like uh, budgeting, working out how we're going to invest marketing money, making sure we're spending that money properly, So actually, you deal with numbers on quite a regular basis. The other real kind of breakthrough moment for me was about kind of making friends with finance. So that would be my sort of second top tip is finance people are just like the rest of us. They're just good at something different to me. And actually, most finance people I work with are very prepared to sit down and explain to you how something works, help you get better. But also don't forget they're there to support you to just make sure you do a really great job. I have the potential advantage or disadvantage of spending the last 18 years with an accountant who's my partner (laughs) who at times looks at me doing a spreadsheet and looks like he wants to cry because I don't think I do the formulas quite right I certainly don't do the colour coding right apparently but actually finance guys have got a really interesting and kind of different skill set that's really complementary to you if it's something that you're not great at so what can you learn from them and actually you can just get that little bit better incrementally just that tiny bit better at budgeting can actually make quite a big deal, quite quite a big difference, I guess. But don't feel like you end up having to become an expert. I have no aspirations to become an expert. I have aspirations to be absolutely very good at what I need to be for my job, to do my job really well. 
And I think one of the things that's helped me here, so I wouldn't, you know, as I said, I'm not this analyst kind of person, is to look at numbers and to get the insight from them. And I think people can see that that's a strength of mine. So I'm not going to be the person who's going to quickly in a meeting work out net present value and future income flows. That's not going to be me. I'm not going to do that in the meeting. But I am the person who can take you know, 20 minutes to look at some numbers and think about well, what's it telling me? What is it saying? Yeah. What's the story here? And I can talk about that a lot more. And I actually think there's two aspects to being good at numbers where you can add value. For some people, it's those quick mental arithmetic accountancy kind yeah. of brain. That's that's great for those people. But I don't think it's a very specific skill set. I think if that's not you, what you can, I think, train is to look at numbers and to look at the story. And that's not about knowing, you know, the specific numbers. That's about saying, over the last five years, this yeah. is what's happened. This is where it looks like we're going. And you can add as much value to a business, I believe, in talking about the story around the numbers and what they're saying, as well as the person who can tell you, you know, to the decimal point where we are. And so I think... It's really important for people to recognise that being good at numbers doesn't just mean you can draw up a balance sheet. Being good at yeah. numbers is also about understanding and you can do that yourself. If you take the time, you can do that and you can get that understanding and know that story. Yeah, and I think even if that idea of being able to tell a story from numbers feels quite intimidating, because I would guess for, still, for some people that feels kind of something they might aspire to but mm. might feel quite far away at the moment... Um, certainly, if you gave me a massive spreadsheet, I don't think I'd feel confident within 10 minutes to be able to go, here's the story yeah. of these numbers. <laughs> but what I think I would feel more confident about now is asking questions yeah. about those numbers. Yeah. Because I think that was almost the sort of slightly paralysing thought for me, was I was so caught up in thinking, I'm not very good at this. I thought every question I was going to ask was going to just make me look really stupid. And so I would never ask any questions. I would sort of be looking at these numbers. I wouldn't be able to do either of the things you just described, as in I couldn't work it out and I couldn't work out a story. But I never really got any better because I never asked any questions because it was sort of this fear of being found out. So another really kind of confidence yeah. gremlin that's really common, this whole don't find out that I'm not as good as you maybe think I am or I hope that you think I am. But again, it's incredible how when you sometimes ask some of these questions to say, oh, it looks like there's a bit of a trend here. Is that what you're also seeing? How two of the people in the room are also thinking exactly the same thing? Nobody else has asked the question either. Yeah. Or actually, just by asking the question, the finance guys or someone who maybe is a bit more confident with numbers says, well, actually, I'm not sure it is quite a trend because actually, if you then look back over the last three months, it was a bit more up and down. But potentially, if it keeps going in the same direction, it will become one. So you've not been wrong. You're just asking a question to sort of further your own understanding. And so, again, I think if you can frame questions as a, this is about me making sure I really understand and, again, get away from the idea that by asking that question, you're potentially going to look a bit silly. I just think very rarely do people ever think that. You sometimes overthink what people think about you, if that yeah. makes sense. And really, when, I, when I've been in meetings with people who are really into the numbers like unless you're in a meeting with it's just a finance meeting or it's just a, a kind of a meeting with accountants really the value in the business is talking about the story so whether you're coming up with it or you're asking questions that I think is the level that people should be having a really meaningful conversation at actually saying was it 1001 or was it 5006 that's not that's not really the, the, yeah. the where the value is going to come from 
So in terms of things that we talked about, we said you can apply this 80-20 rule so you can accept that you're not trying to be kind of the perfect person for it and but just look at areas you can get better at. So maybe it's telling stories or whatever that be. We talked about building a relationship with somebody in finance that you feel is approachable. I think that's a really, a really good idea. It makes it seem much less scary than yeah. this department that sits over there that you've held on a yeah, pedestal. I can promise some of them are nice. Yeah, definitely. And then we talked about asking better questions. So in the room, not feeling like you have to ask about the calculation, but asking questions that can derive the story. Is there anything else that you think can help people who have this fear of numbers? Well, I think the other thing is if you're listening to this now and thinking, well, this is not my confidence gremlin. Mm. Yes, there might be some work I can do on it, but actually I'm quite numerical. I'm quite confident. Think about who you could help. Because this is actually a really common confidence gremlin that I hear a lot from lots of different people. And so actually if you are, think about how you could kind of give back to somebody else or help them improve in that area because they might have something that then you could do a bit of a skill swap with. They might be really good at presenting and that might be your confidence gremlin. You might be good at numbers. That might be their confidence gremlin. And so actually between you, you you can sort of help each other. Yeah. I suppose the other thing I would encourage you to do if it is your confidence gremlin, think about who you'd feel confident enough to share the fact that it's your gremlin with. Because actually people can only help you if they know it's something you need help with. Because I've definitely experienced things myself and with people I've worked with in the past where when someone does finally say well, the reason I'm not doing this is because I'm terrified of numbers. And I'll think, well, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't didn't know that you were... I've worked with you for a year and you always seemed okay and you didn't seem to mention it and I never noticed it. And that person is in their head thinking they must just know that I'm rubbish at numbers and et cetera. But actually, until you tell people, it's incredible how most people don't realise what your confidence gremlins are because they live in your head, because they feel very scary to kind of talk about out loud. But there's something about being able to frame it as oh, numbers are a bit of a kind of confidence gremlin for me. I've noticed you're really great at them or I really admire the way you can tell a story from numbers like yeah. you were sort of describing. I wonder if you could just help me with a bit with kind of how do you do that? Yeah. So what's the sort of process that you go through? And even if you sit down with somebody and buy them a coffee for 15 minutes and you actually take an example, take a real-life example and work that through, you're suddenly that little bit better than you were 15 minutes ago. Yeah, I agree. I think for the people that it isn't natural for, a lot of people do have a process. A lot of people will say, well... Yeah, I definitely do. I do, I do. I take I take the numbers and I will spend 10, 15 minutes looking at it beforehand and thinking, what are the three things this is telling me? I don't need to go deeper than that for what I do, but I do need to take three things away. And that's what I do. And I think other people will have their own hints and tips to deal with all the things at work that we have to get through. I think as well it's probably useful for someone to think about how is it holding them back? So get really specific. What things are they not doing? If this is your confidence gremlin, what are you not doing? So are you not speaking up in a meeting? Are you not building a relationship with somebody specific because you're intimidated yeah. by them? Not going for a job you really want because oh, it yeah. says the dreaded words, commercial acumen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Not that I'm speaking from personal experience or anything, but when you see those jobs and it's like, oh, yes... Um, Highly, highly analytical, but also highly creative. And you think, how can I do both? Yeah, well, I remember being really daunted when I was going for a previous role. And it said, owning your own P&L. And I was like, wow, that that seems really Scary. big. And then actually I went in and I was like, this is a budget. This is a budget with an annual review. But in that, that bullet point on a job yeah, description, it's, it's really terrifying. So I think looking at the specific situations where this confidence gremlin is holding you back and then thinking, okay, how can I do 
an action around this. So if it is, I don't have a relationship with that person in finance because I'm completely daunted by them, think to yourself, okay, well, who has a good relationship with them? How can I use that as a way of kind of building my confidence? And, and yeah, I think it's, it's a really good idea that you can get specific and practical about these things. So it's, you know, driving the awareness that, this is your confidence gremlin and then yeah. almost creating yourself a little action plan of yeah. here are some tests that I can do here's how I can develop here's the sort of questions I'm going to ask in that next meeting when I've been silent for the past six months yeah I think try and make it as specific to your role as possible mm. would always be my starting point don't just say you want to get better at numbers and don't just say actually I want to get better at budgeting look at what you do in your day-to-day -day job and where do numbers come into that and then try and get better at those things first. Yeah. So before you do anything else, work on that. And actually, if you can get really kind of competent and a bit more confident and capable on the things that you need to do day in, day out, then you can kind of expand. But actually, only then. Yeah. So I think don't try to do too much too soon. And remember, it's not only people in finance who can help you with this. Lots of people are, yeah. are really good at numbers. Yeah. It could be the guy sitting next to you who you realise has got absolutely awesome Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. knowledge and um, which some people do and always kind of blows me away when you work they can do what if formulas and all these kind of things that are incredible and actually some of those things look amazing but it's only because you just don't know how to do them yeah. and they can spend five minutes and show you one thing that actually will mean that when you do do your monthly budgeting it takes you half the time because suddenly you've got the right formulas built into a spreadsheet that works things out automatically yeah. and you're like oh amazing you just reminded me when we were talking i don't know if you know this but i once signed up to do an accountancy qualification do you remember it was quite a long no. time ago yes. <laughs> when <laughs> like eight years ago or something like that because i remember thinking i need i need to have like great technical <laughs> financial skills and i signed up to do what's it called the SEMA or aca maybe it was maybe it was SEMA. it was SEMA, and i signed which up is Chartered institute of management accountants it is indeed which if you know me would be a ridiculous thing for me, <laughs> for me to do because i wouldn't enjoy it and that was the point i started because i thought i need to know this to be credible i started and i didn't enjoy it and i think now i realize you're better to do the thing that you enjoy so i enjoy storytelling that's kind of yeah. how I found my angle on this but I think finding the bit about numbers that you enjoy maybe it is the oh I can do something in Excel and it's just the yeah. kind of the fact that you could do that maybe it's a telling the story maybe it's the neatness of a balance sheet whatever yeah. whatever it is I think it's not it's not being the accountant I think along yeah. like I can't that's what I used to think like you had to be the accountant but Several years on, I realised that that's not, that's not going to be my strength. That's not your future. <laughs> that's not my future. That's not my strength. Um, okay, so hopefully we've come up with some good hints and tips for people to address this confidence gremlin if they're struggling with it. And I think it's really important to remember that this is a difficult one. And then the numbers one, I think, is a particularly challenging one for people because it's often been holding them back for quite a long time. Yeah. So don't forget that if you're going to think about some small tests that you can do to give yourself a reward when you've done it, acknowledge that you've actually done something good. How do you acknowledge when you've kind of tested your gremlin, Sarah? Well, my favourite reward is to go and get a very expensive coffee. As you, <laughs> as you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a coffee fiend. So sometimes if I've done anything on my kind of confidence gremlins, but particularly, you know, sometimes maybe if I'd spent some time working on something particularly complicated on numbers where um, I then kind of got to an answer that was going to help me or my team spend our money in a better way, I will just think, do you know what, I'm just going to have a 10 minute break and just go and get myself a coffee because actually that looks like it's worked yeah. and I feel like I understand that and that for me is, is good enough. <laughs> 
So thank you for listening to this week's Amazing If podcast. We hope you found some hints and tips that can help you with your confidence gremlin. And don't forget, this is part of our series on confidence gremlins. So come back and listen to our next one. We've also got a book on how to help you overcome your confidence gremlins, which you can get, or you can get in touch with us at amazing underscore if and let us know about how you're dealing with confidence gremlins and any help that you would like. And to find out more about Amazing If, you can come to our website, www.amazingif.com. And until next time, we'll leave you there. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.